Welcome to The Hammer, where we hit the nail on the head with insights from the world of Canadian renovation and custom home contracting. Now here's your host, the editor of Canadian Contractor Magazine, Patrick Flannery. Hi everyone and welcome to The Hammer. Today I had the opportunity to speak with Luca Bucci. Uh, he is the new CEO of the Ontario Home Builders Association and uh, wanted to have Luca on uh, to talk about the recent Ontario uh, election. Uh, we actually recorded this podcast uh, the day after the election and uh, get uh, the Ontario Home Builders uh, reaction to the new uh, PC party. Uh, well, it's not new, they, they, they were already there, but uh, re-elected in Ontario and uh, Doug Ford returning and, and what he sees as, uh, as the outcomes for contractors and home builders across Ontario um, from uh, from that. Uh, Luca has a, a political background uh, himself. He's worked in uh, different uh, different governments and uh, and has uh, so a really good insight and uh, and, and knowledge of what uh, this uh, the new government might be might be looking at and uh, how they're going to be able to work uh, hopefully for uh, for the contractors of Ontario. Um, so got to do a little bit of uh, political talk, which is a bit of a rarity on this. Uh, Luca and I touched on uh, why the OHBA is uh, overall uh, excited and positive about uh, the PCs returning to power. Um, we get into uh, uh, talking, he, he talks a little bit about the, the myth that uh, contractors are, are, are greedy and, and, and that, uh, uh, you know, development should be, uh, should be uh, restricted and it's, it's just a matter of dollars and cents. He talks about the, the, the actual driving motivation, which is to get people in homes and to uh, build enough housing for everybody in Ontario. Um, we talk a little bit about resolving the tension between uh, uh, environmental uh, needs and, uh, and, and taking care of the supply of housing in Ontario, making sure there's enough that the prices will uh, normalize or, or, or get better. We all know the difficulties that have, we've been having with uh, housing prices increasing and putting them out of reach of a lot of people. Uh, some of the solutions to that and that it doesn't need to be uh, something where uh, the environment is threatened by new building. We uh, talk a little bit about uh, uh, a lot about the skilled trades and uh, reforming of, of that system, the regulatory structure in Ontario, the, uh, the departure of the Ontario College of Trades, creation of the new Skilled Trades Ontario, um, and the uh, PC government's uh, investments and I guess plans to continue investing. Uh, talk a bit about how the OHBA and the uh, new government may work together to try to uh, overcome some of the uh, uh, misapprehensions and stigma that are that are out there about uh, careers in the trades, and and try to uh, you know stimulate this generation of young people to uh, to to get into that sort of work and uh, many many other things. So a great conversation with Luca Bucci, the CEO of the Ontario Home Builders Association. Ladies and gentlemen, we have none other than Luca Bucci. The uh, newly minted CEO of the Ontario Home Builders Association uh, here today to talk to us uh, a little bit about the, the well, very recent yesterday uh, uh, provincial election results, and uh, I think uh, nobody better to uh, uh, give us some some feedback from the uh, the voice of the industry here in uh, in Ontario. Luca, great to see you. Oh, thank you, thank you for having me. I'm really excited to be here. 
Yeah, yeah, this is fun. Um, we're um, we're we're just coming off. Uh, well, basically, what uh, was a, a, another big uh, PC win? Uh, Eighty-three seats, uh, I believe it was for uh, the Ontario uh, Progressive Conservative Party, and uh, Doug Ford back as uh, as Premier. Um, but before we get into all of that, Luca, I, I just uh, the, the another interesting thing here is that uh, is that you're uh, fairly new to the position of CEO. You just joined uh, at the at the start of the month, and uh, why don't you uh, give us a bit about uh, about yourself, your background, uh, introduce yourself to everybody, and um, and uh, I guess uh, what your what your thoughts are about uh, about taking on this new position. Oh, that's great, Anna, and thank you for the opportunity. Uh, to speak to to your followers and, and just to kind of be here today. Uh, and you're right. Uh, next Friday, I think, will be my one-month anniversary on the job, uh, June 10th or June 9th, somewhere around there. Um, and it's been a very, very interesting learning experience. Uh, you know, a little bit about myself. Um, I come from a public policy and government background. I spent the last 10 years of my career um, working in, in politics and government, uh, you know, primarily with uh, with the Ontario PC party, um, worked for opposition leader Tim Hudak, went to go spend some time in the prime minister's office, came back to Toronto after that, did some private sector work in the energy industry and in the consulting industry, uh, was able to meet the premier through his leadership in, uh, I guess it was 2018, um, was brought on his team then, and then when he got elected, took on various different roles in government. I was the chief of staff and minister of transportation, natural resources and forestry, I went back to the private sector for a bit to do a little bit of GR work for uh, CP Ontario. Uh, most recently, um, and probably most uh, importantly to the role I'm in now, uh, I was the uh, Chief of Staff of the Ministry of Municipal Affairs and Housing uh, for the 18 months prior to the election. Um, so that was a unique opportunity for me to kind of learn really what this industry was about and, and some of the challenges that face this industry, uh, particularly when it comes to getting things built. Uh, and, you know, the Ontario Home Builders have always been a great supporter and a great stakeholder uh, to all governments of, of all stripes. And, and that's something I saw throughout uh, throughout my career. So when I saw this opportunity uh, opened up, I, I, I jumped at the chance to apply. I had a pretty uh, involved interview process with our board. Um, I, I think, you know, some of the things that I've, I've accomplished in my in the past kind of put up, uh, you know, uh, a bit more scrutiny than than most would have gone through, and rightfully so. But I mean, at the end of the day, um, I'm just really happy to be here. And, and I think, you know, together, given my background on advocacy and governance, um, and some of the issues that are in front of our industry, we can really kind of work together to get some great things done. Um, particularly now that there is a very strong mandate uh, for the premier uh, in a government who has proven to be very friendly to to our members and to our industry over the past four years. Yeah, it would have been a bit of a leap for the board to uh, to get to somebody with uh, uh, such a public policy background uh, instead of you know coming out of the out, out of the construction industry directly. Uh, so I, I don't doubt you had a lot of tough questions to ask. A lot of tough questions, and and you know what, really big shoes to fill as well. I mean, my predecessor uh, was a great, uh, I guess we can say, uh, mold for this for this role. Uh, you know, Joe was able to accomplish a lot of great things here. Uh, you know, looking back at that pandemic, he really represented the industry well with government, ensuring that, you know, a lot of our trades and a lot of our suppliers were on the uh, open for business list, as we called it, um, really just making sure that our members were informed of what the government was doing during the pandemic. And even before that, I remember when I was in opposition, um, working with uh, the Ontario PC party at the time, uh, one of the stakeholders who would always, you know, blow up my phone was Joe Vaccaro whenever there was an issue that he thought that he could, you know, leverage to his advantage with, uh, 
with, with our party. So he was a fierce advocate for the industry, uh, very well respected amongst the industry. You know, that's not lost on me. And, and I just hope that, uh, you know, as we move forward together, I can, I can serve the industry as well as he did. Um, and of course, I would be remiss if I didn't give an acknowledgement to our president, uh, Bob Shake and Dance, who really kind of filled the gap um, in Joe's absence and really kind of carried the torch for us through the campaign with our Cut the, the Star campaign, so to speak, and really did a good job of making sure um, that issues related to housing were top of mind uh, for all parties uh, in the last election. So, you know, great leadership, great history of leadership here, and I just hope to continue that, uh, to continue that tradition. Top, top of mind they have been. Uh, yes. For sure, uh, that, that that it's been uh, gratifying, uh, frankly, from my perspective, uh, to uh, to see the uh, the amount of attention uh, and focus uh, that, that that's on a lot of our issues uh, right now, and uh, and uh, you know you're obviously well positioned with your background to uh, to really uh, I think I think take that going forward. So that's uh, that's terrific. Well, give me the. Uh, Give me the official OHBA reaction to uh, to to the PC win and uh, and 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 what and I guess what you guys heard in the campaign and what what you think their plans are. So so the official OHBA reaction. I mean, we're really excited to work with this new government. Like I said before, they have a a remarkable track record of working with industry on housing issues in a, in a way that's probably a bit more pragmatic than previous governments. I mean, uh, the previous Minister of Municipal Affairs and Housing, uh, alongside the Premier, you know. Um, brought changes to the growth plan that made it a little bit easier to build within the GTHA, um, you know, brought in significant pieces of legislation uh, that looked at all aspects of the, the building process and tried to make it a bit more um, conducive to development rather than, you know, restrictive to development. I think those were, were positive steps forward. Uh, most recently with Bill 109 and the Housing Affordability Task Force, I think the government signaled a really ambitious plan to get some serious changes done to, you know, things like the permitting process, you know, how we build homes within um, uh, established communities in the downtown core, you know, how we look at the questions of urban land expansion. Um, and, and, you know, what's really interesting is that the government now has a blueprint uh, with the Housing Affordability Task Force and, and their report that they published back in February. Um, and prior to the election, the minister and the premier, the premier committed that they were going to implement that blueprint uh, over time. Uh, with a piece of legislation every year over the next mandate, um, working in cooperation with all um, all, all parties involved in the process, municipalities and industry. And we're just really looking forward to being part of that discussion. I mean, there's some good stuff uh, in that housing affordability task force. Say if we're looking at missing middle density, you know, how we approach approval timelines, um, right down to, you know, uh, where we should be building houses in municipalities. Um, it's, it's a strong foundation for the, for the government to operate from. Um, there was also their commitment to build 1.5 million homes uh, over the last uh, 10 years, which I think is very promising. So, you know, we're really, we're really excited. We're really excited for the opportunity that's ahead, to, uh, ahead of us. Um, we're really looking forward to taking advantage of that opportunity with government. And it's really gonna be important uh, for government to demonstrate not only to the industry, but for anybody who's following this housing issue uh, to take action really quickly. I mean, I suspect that there's gonna be some sort of indication or some sort of signal by the government within the first 100 days of the direction that they wanna move on the, the next chapter of their housing policy. Um, you know, and the OHBA alongside our local HBAs wanna be part of that discussion. And that's something we're really, really looking forward to. Awesome. Um, one thing that uh, uh, struck me, uh, I think I commented in some of my uh, uh, writing was, um, was, you know, no sooner had the, had the had the government come out with the tax force and the report and 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 what they wanted to do there, uh, then you had uh, some municipal uh, municipal leaders uh, around the province uh, raising their hand and saying, 
we would what we're we, we got lots of we got lots of land ready to go we've got we've got permits ready to go this is more on the affordable side of things uh uh you know we're 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 we're, we're it's all out there you know it's just you guys aren't doing it right um what uh what, what's your reaction to that you, yeah i mean when it comes the issue of development has become so politicized over the last decade that you know it's kind of like a hot potato issue for government right municipalities almost don't want to touch it anymore um, and that's left the province to kind of bear the the brunt of responsibility. Um, I think a lot of that has to come down to this unbalanced narrative that development is bad, environment equals good. And, you know, I'm a big believer that if we work as an industry to push narrative that development and environmental protection could coexist in a way that's sustainable, a lot of that dynamic could change in the interests uh, for, for our members and for your readers, right? I mean, you look at things like, you know, the building code and, and the various different environmental protections that are put in place for when we have to build, you know, whether it's a house or, or a different type of development, um, there, there, there's no reason to believe why why we can't achieve both goals, right? Build more, build more housing, um, and make sure that we do so in a way that protects the, the land for, for generations to come. And if I'm going to be quite honest with you, I think that's a story that our, our industry hasn't really done a good job of telling, uh, one that I really want to focus on uh, during my tenure. Uh, because if, if we're able to successfully carry that, that message to municipalities, um, I think a lot of that, you know, immediate reaction to get your back up and say it's not us it's not us it's not us that's really kind of rooted in this political tension uh, over time would start to 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 subside and you know at the end of the day we just got to really focus on what we're doing here right we're trying to build homes for people to have a stable place to live in communities that are safe at a price point they can afford right that's what our members want right this is these, these red herrings about you know profits and 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 you know all this other we'll we'll we'll, we'll call it uh, fluff is 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 nonsense. I think you sit down, you talk to a builder, a home builder in Hamilton, a home builder in Sudbury, a home builder in Windsor. You know they're motivated by the fact that they're putting people in the homes. And right now, people need homes, right? We need at least 1.5 million homes over 10 years to keep up with current trends. And that's not you know counting for things like increased immigration, which you know ties into another issue when it comes to skilled trades, because you're going to need more immigration if you want to fill the trade roles that are required to build homes. So it really is a big issue. Uh, and, and, you know, we need to hit the right message. Um, and I think we have the right motivating factors to, to, to establish the right message. And uh, again, just a really unique opportunity for our industry to redefine itself and get some serious work done with this government. I'll 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 uh, throw something at you that you did probably uh, harks back to your your past experience too dealing with the uh, uh, Ministry of Municipalities and Transportation and 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 um, there's a there's a there's a, a theory out there or there's there's been some some talk out there that you know by by building new homes uh, uh, at a at a uh, price point that is economically feasible and everybody's making money and everybody's happy. Um, um, you 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 create a pipeline so people who are moving up and 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 buying better homes are are moving into these newer and 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 nicer homes that are being built and that's actually freeing up the old stock to become an affordable uh, an affordable option for for people right and and this just follows up the pipeline all the way up the chain so so I, what i'm trying to get to here is it's 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 not a question of necessarily having government subsidized affordable housing developments it, it it can be a question of allowing development period 
Yes. And 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 it, it 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 that actually helps all the way down the chain in in more of a market forces type of way. Uh, uh, what do you think? Have you have you have you yeah. seen that? Is that is that a thing? It's it's it's, it's a derivative of the, of the supply argument, right? You build yeah. more homes, more homes become available, and as more homes become available on the market, um, you know we're able to satisfy demand, and as demand decreases, prices decrease or stabilize, right? And I think what we've seen since the pandemic is that, you know, people who are in those densely populated urban areas that want space and they go out to the suburbs are, are looking for homes at, at, at a, a rate that we haven't seen in quite some time. Now, the problem is, as municipalities and governments restrict, you know, where in the suburbs they can build that home, it just puts more pressure on the cost of those homes in the downtown. So now you have this weird situation where, you know, people are leaving in homes that if they can find one is exorbitantly expensive and they're leaving behind another home that's exorbitantly expensive because there's nowhere else to go right um and and you know i think of someone like uh, my brother who just closed on his new home gosh two days ago uh and it's a i'm from hamilton and, and he bought in this part of hamilton that like maybe five six years ago he probably would have gotten a house for you know two three hundred thousand dollars and then you're thinking to yourself well for that area that's a pretty significant amount of money i mean he spent almost a million dollars on this thing right? right and it's in you know the the urban center of hamilton which you know isn't rosedale or isn't you know uh west mountain waterloo i mean it's it's a really interesting area not to say that that it's bad now but you know it's it's this pressure that's been put on the system because we've restricted the amount of supply that's been able to come online and restricted the choices that people are actually able to explore when it comes to housing options that creates this weird kind of market um dynamic that can't be solved by pumping money into the system from governments because that's just going to perpetuate the problem right yeah. Because foundational economics would suggest that the more money that you pump into the heart market, the inflated the values of that commodity is going to become. Mm -hmm. And, and you know, I think that's something that our industry needs to do a better job of simplifying so that people, you know, who are in the industry and people who don't really have a strong understanding or foundational understanding of economics could really kind of grasp and hold on to. And, and where I think the opportunity is now is that there's a lot of dialogue around that dynamic. Right. And it's just a matter of repetition. And we had a really unique opportunity over the course of the last winter where you saw, you know, think tanks talking about the supply issue, banks talking about the supply issue, every single major newspaper talking about the supply issue. I mean, it became an editorialized topic, which is an advent, which is an advantage for us. So now how do we take advantage of that opportunity? And I think we did some pretty good work with government at that time working on the task force recommendations, working with the government on Bill 109, you know, working with the government to set the foundation for the approach you're going to take um, over the next uh, four years when it comes to housing. And we just need to be, we need to be a continued partner in that conversation so that the solutions that come afterwards kind of focus on, you know, how do we fix that supply problem to take pressure off the government and the buyer who are trying to look for, you know, that affordable housing option, maybe whether that's in the inner city, close to transit, you know, or, or quite, quite, quite frankly, close to work. So it's a very interesting problem you put out there. And, and I'm sure that, you know, I can sit here and talk to you about it for, for hours, but we do have limited time. But it, it, it's one where, you know, we have to have a really focused message that speaks to the people who are buying homes and it has to be delivered in a way that people can understand. Yeah, the, 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 to, to get that messaging, uh, uh, like you say, on, onto that supply side thing, I, I, I think is really key. Um, uh, you know, I, I was I was just at the the Building Knowledge Conference up in uh, in uh, Hockley Valley, and uh, and uh, you know, you see that you see the um, uh, the environmental green uh, measures that are that are coming through in the codes uh, uh, about home building, and uh, and and I I think we we can really whether or not the message gets out. 
the the tension can be resolved between this idea of you you can't do green environmentally conscious development uh, uh, without not doing development. You know what I'm saying? Like right. like, like the, the the there's very soon every house. Well, not very soon, but certainly within a decade or two, uh, uh, every house that's going to be built in Ontario is, is basically not going to use any more energy than it produces. Right. I mean, right. that's right. The, the whole net zero thing. And 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 so so this this idea that you have to not build, you know, in order to save the planet, I, I, I think I think some of that tension can be resolved and, uh, and and maybe we can start addressing the affordability issue with some more. I agree. I agree. And I think when it comes to our members and, and, and again, you know, three weeks on the job, I don't want to pretend that I'm an expert on what our members want already. But I think to your point, when they're being told that they have to build to a certain standard on one side, and they're told that they can't build anywhere else on the other side, they're sitting there thinking to themselves, okay, so what side should I, what should I do? If the government made it easier to build, I'm sure that our members would have no issue taking on, you know, the added cost of that green standard, because the cost of, you know, building on land that scarce comes down. And you can kind of get that nice little equilibrium that brings about more of an affordable product. But you're in a situation where you're now where they're restricted on the land that they can build on, which increases the development costs on that land. And now you got to put all these building code measures in that come at a, at a premium cost as well. And, you know, to that point, you're, you're, you're kind of getting to the point where there actually is no coexistence. You're sacrificing affordable housing at the expense of, you know, environmental protection where, you know, we need a little bit more of a balance. And to your point, a lot of the standards that are coming in are very green focused. Right. So, you know, let's open up more land for more green homes and let's build them in a way that's affordable. And that's, you know, another issue I think our industry has to face. And it goes back to the, 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 the point I made before. We really have to find a way to get that balanced narrative out there. And the way that we do it is create a simple message that talks about coexistence, that talks about affordability and that that speaks to, um, you know, the, the common experience of people who are trying to buy homes. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Right. And the and the distortions the distortions to the economy uh, uh, you know ha have been obvious. I'm here in London, uh, and uh, and uh, you know when 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 I bought this place that I'm in right now uh, ten years ago, uh, what happens in London was the asking price was the starting point for negotiation down. That's right. Uh, That's right. <laughs> and uh, about two or three years ago, that that flipped, and we got what we call here the Toronto effect. Uh, you know, has started, and uh, and now it's and now it's a and now it's a bidding war, uh, even in even in these different parts of London. And I I used to live on Main Street in Hamilton, and I can agree with you that the local color is uh, fantastic down there. And, uh, yeah, to to be spending a million dollars on a house in that area is uh, is something else. So yeah, I I, I mean they have to there has to be an understanding. Understanding. And, I, and I think there probably is an understanding, at least in the communications from the from the Ford government. Frankly, uh, I, I think I've seen that understanding yeah. uh, that the supply the supply side of it is 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 really where the the logjam has to has to break and 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 just um, right. well, well, and I think the premier, you know, really understands, or at least he's demonstrated an understanding during his tenure. Um, of, of what these kind of delays or challenges is that our, our industry is, is experiencing means to the end user, which is the buyer, right? right. Like, like there's this, 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 this narrative out there that he's doing it to, to line the pockets of, of, you know, my members line the pockets of our industry. I'm sure if you go out to one of our members and see a prospectus, I mean, you know, there's not a lot of, not a lot of, not a lot of money there to work with. Right. And as materials go up, trades go up, I mean, that money becomes, you know, more and more shallow. But the cost to the average person is the same. I mean, yesterday or the day before, I think York Region 
um, increase their development fees by something like like 11% overnight, right? In some areas. Mm-hmm. That, that cost isn't going to the developer. That cost is going to the end user, right? right. And that's something the premier understands as clear as, uh, you know, water in the Caribbean, right? Like it's, it's, it's something that we really need to start pushing as an industry. And that is, again, you know, how do, do these things impact the end user? It's not about the developer. The developer is just there to provide a service and build a home for people who need homes, right? They want to be able to do it in a way that is affordable for that end user. And that's really what we need to be focused on. Um, and, and, you know, you're right. Like, I mean, look at, I remember when I got into the housing market, I was, Gosh, I think it was 21 years old, so maybe 12 years ago, and and we bought a uh, my brother and I bought a condo again in downtown Hamilton, and and you know we started at an asking price and we negotiated down, um, and you know to go back on his most recent experience, he started on an asking price, he negotiated up, and like you know over a span of 12 years to have that kind of dynamic in the market in in a place outside of the GTA is very volatile, is very volatile. Um, so, you know, like, again, we, we need to take, we need to take, you know, inspiration from, from the premier's leadership. And I, I don't want to seem like we're getting too close to premier because, you know, that's not the case. He just has this, this skill set, um, and, and just try to articulate, you know, how the challenges we are facing in the industry, you know, really impact the people who are just trying to buy homes. Right. And then there's that weird dynamic. Well, it's not just new homes that are going up in price. It's, it's homes in downtown as well, but we touched on that. Like, if you're buying like, the cost of new homes will set the price of the market, whether you are in the suburbs or downtown. Right. So, you know what, let's, let's get those homes cheaper. And then you'll start seeing the effect, you know, make its way into the core. But if you can't build out and you can't build up, you know, you're going to have to pay a higher price tag. And, you know, I think we just as an industry need to do a better job of create, of, of communicating that uh, with respect to the impacts on the, uh, at the end user, which is the individual buying that home. And, and, to that to that point about the about the attention of the of the government that's kind of the broad topic here and 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 certainly this is not a uh, this is not a, a, a plug the Ontario PCs uh, podcast at all uh, but uh, the uh, one area I, I have to admit where I've seen I've seen a, a, a focus and a level of attention uh, and and the kinds of approaches that not just even the constructions the, the 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 home building and renovation sector which is which is what i'm i'm dealing with here at canadian contractor but in some of the other markets that i work in some of the sub trades um um the the approach that they have wanted to skilled labor okay i'm now seeing reflected uh uh by monty mcnaughton uh and uh and 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 that group um so i i want you to speak a little bit to to what you're seeing in the in, in the approach and the focus of of to to improving the skilled labor supply in Ontario from this government, and 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 whether you whether you think that, that that's the right approach that that's what HBA HBA would recommend. Well, that's an interesting question, and and I think in this election we've seen something from the Ontario PC party that maybe five six years as recent as five six years ago we never would have imagined, and that is predominantly a lot of these skilled trade unions um, rallying behind the premier. Right. Yeah, that was I mean, unbelievable. I, unbelievable. I mean, I, I worked for uh, a previous PC party leader where, you know, I'm pretty sure they had a dartboard with his face on it in every union office. But um, and, and this guy was 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 a remarkable politician and, and a very smart guy. But I mean, at the end of the day, um, I would have never have thought that, you know, Luna. Um, uh, the electrical workers, you know, the 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 uh, union that represents crane, represents crane operators, and, and all those other unions that rallied behind the premier would have given the support to the Ontario PC party, and I think that's why you saw them break through in places like Windsor, break through in places like Hamilton East, Stony Creek, you know, why they were able to hold seats that 
um, maybe this time last year might have looked a little bit precarious in and around Kitchener Waterloo in that area. But like I think that really speaks to the point you just made and the investments in skilled labor that were that the Premier Monty McNaughton um you know, put forward over the over the course of the last four years. I mean, redefining the relationship between the College of Trades and getting rid of it and moving towards a skilled Ontario model, that was a big one. Um, and it just, you know, again, it goes back to the understanding that at the end of the day, you know, we just need to, the government needs to create the conditions for uh, the industry and the people who work in the industry to do their job, right? And and in the process, and, and and one of the things that this government has been been good at, you know, process for the sake of process is just not something that they're going to entertain, which is why I think a lot of the advances in 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 the skilled trade sector that that were brought forth by Monty and the Premier um, have come to fruition. Now, the unique challenge that they're going to have, I think, moving forward, is how do we fill those opportunities that are present, right? Like, I mean, a lot of our you're seeing it, you 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 see it probably more so than I do, but a lot of our members are now starting to talk about skilled trade shortages, right? And then, you know, how do we how do we fill that hole? And, you know, the only way that you fill that hole is through immigration, which is great because we need to be bringing in more school trade workers from overseas. But then, you know, the more people that come into Canada, the more pressure that's going to put on housing costs. Right. So all of these problems are kind of intertwined here. You know what I mean? So so so, you know, it starts with the home. It starts with an affordable place to live. It starts with the ability to build a home in a way that is economical for the end user. And that's really where the government has to put its focus on in its first 100 days. You know, create the conditions so that our members and your members can build a home that people can afford. Because without that home, you're not going to have the capacity to bring in, you know, um, the workforce that you need to build the province, to build your highways, you know, to staff your hospitals. It's just not going to happen. And if you do, you're going to have to pay a premium. And we're in the middle of one of the biggest inflationary periods of, of, of recent history, right? So again, without that that home, that foundation, you know, you're 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 perpetuating the cycle of problems that just cost more that that bring about more costs to the end user, which is the home buyer, um, or you know, the average everyday citizen who's just trying to get up, go to work, and and do right by his his friends and family. So, you know, I, I'm a firm believer that that this is all all kind of interconnected. Um, you know, at the OHBA, we're not going to be able to solve all the problems, but I think we can point the government in the right direction on what the root cause of some of these problems is, what some of these problems are, and that is just you know creating the conditions to build an affordable home, right? Here's 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 a here's a problem that's too big for the o, o, OHBA or or the provincial government or even the federal government or maybe the world uh, to 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 solve, but but probably needs to be solved uh, in order to uh, resolve the skilled trades issue in a big way. Um, um, but maybe there's maybe there's specific things you you can suggest that uh, that that would help the the interest level in uh, people born in Canada young people born in Canada, high, people exiting high school or in high school, uh, in uh, getting into the trades is uh, got to be at an all-time low. Uh, I know my daughter's friends are uh, <laughs> not, not, not going in that direction. Uh, con- there's, there's, there's obviously been a, a huge uh, focus on uh, you know, STEM, STEM trades in the, in the education system for, uh, for, for a very long time. Uh, everybody's supposed to become software engineers um and uh or something else um do, do, can, can is there anything that that you would recommend luca from 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 what you've seen or that or that you've had in your discussions with the industry and the ohba that can be done to move the needle yeah. on the interest in the trades exposure to the trades in 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 young people and do you think there's it, it, it's even feasible to try to get that that ball rolling 
So I'm going to preface my answer by saying I'm not an expert in, 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 right. in any of the dissolutions that could be brought forward. But but what I will say is I think the trade industry kind of suffers from the same setback as the development industry does. And it's this industry that has been, um, you know, uh, inactive when it came when it comes to developing a narrative around what they do and the benefit of what they do and, you know, how, you know, the product of, of, of their, their craft can bring about a good lifestyle, not only for them, but the people that they serve. Uh, and I think, you know, the trades have this, this, this connotation that it is, is a job that is not for, you know, people who want to be successful, which is completely untrue. I mean, a lot of my, a lot of my friends who are the most successful are, are, are trades, uh, are trades people. Uh, and, and, you know, <laughs> They they have beautiful homes and they go yeah. beautiful vacations and and they they eat beautiful food with their their families and friends and you know again that message is beautiful wives yeah beautiful wives husbands <laughs> partners I mean they live a beautiful life um, I mean the work is hard I mean the work is very skill uh, skills based and you know sometimes you're going to have to go into the rain and 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 listen I I say this as someone who is not a tradesperson so I can't pretend to to live their experience um, but what I can say is that you know. Like the developers, there's a bit of a perception issue there that I think we need to get out, you know, in front of real people and, and change, right? Because these are lucrative jobs. I, I, I'm sure, you know, I can get a bunch of members lined up and tell you how much they paid tradespeople, and you can say, oh well, like, you know, why am I paying fifty thousand dollars for university education? It's probably more than that now when I can just go into uh, a stream of work or a stream of education will actually pay me to to, to learn my craft. But the, both the development industry and, and the trades industry need to, to do a bit of a PR exercise um, to change the hearts and minds of people to help them understand where the value of both industries lie. And I think that's step one, because um, quite honestly, like as, as much as, you know, the public school system is about a topic for a different discussion, you're not getting that service from, 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 you know, guidance counselors or teachers, because primarily these are people who've gone through the university uh, system, have got a job in the university system, and that's what they know, right? How could they speak to the benefits of, of, of an industry that they, they really don't have any experience in, right? So again, it's, it's, a, it's a PR issue like that, that I think we need to, to work with, uh, they need to work with our industry on the fix. Yeah. M Monty's very strong in that point. He has a, he has a, uh, 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 a real, uh, a real thought about that, and uh, so been great. So write, write, write this down, Luca. You and Monty and the and the OHBA are all going to work together to uh, promote. Right. Yeah. <laughs> if, if Monty continues in his capacity of uh, the Ministry of Labor, we yeah, I hope he doesn't get shuffled. Done. Yeah, I guess I guess he might get. Well, I don't. Some. Uh, I don't know. I mean, do you if you want to get into if you want to get into cabinet predictions, I mean that'd be a fun game. But, oh yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, but like, I I think whoever's in the Ministry of Labor, who's ever in the Ministry of Municipal Affairs and Housing, you know, who's ever in the Ministry of Infrastructure, um, you know, the OHBA and key industry partners really have to kind of come together uh, and 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 really fix the PR issues that are plaguing our our. our our, our industries. I know this government understands where we're coming from. Um, I think most times, you know, when uh, when the government in the past wanted to take a bit more bold action on some of the issues that could have benefited all of our collective industries, they might have had a bit of apprehension because the PR battle was being won by our opponents. Um, and I think it's just because we haven't been able to effectively communicate what our what what we haven't been able to communicate a message of what we can do for you know the end user, whether that's the home buyer, you know the person who's coming, calling that plumber to come in to to service their home, you know the person who's calling a framer to add that attachment to their home, you know the person who, quite frankly, needs to get their car fixed and you know where they really don't have that big of a budget to to invest in, in car repairs. Like there's a there's a story to be told here that I think we're not telling that, you know, the positive steps forward for our industry means positive change for people in the economy, you know, from a jobs perspective and from a cost of living perspective. Yeah. You know, that's something I think we really just need to focus on.
Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And and imagine if you had the unions on side. Oh wait, oh, a gosh, minute. yeah. And then now we're there. <laughs> and to, that, to that to that point, like like just to show you what kind of opportunity we have now, right? Yeah. If the federal government aligned with trying to find a solution to 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 you know what we're facing in the housing industry, you have the provincial government who has been a great partner since their election in 2018 and will continue to be a good partner. Municipalities, you know, they'll get there. Uh, there's a lot of promising dialogue amongst some mayors who, you know, are in growth areas and want to build because they understand that for them, more homes mean more tax revenue, right? And more taxes means more services for their constituents. And on top of that, you have trade unions who are willing to cooperate with the government to find a solution to the problem. Like, like we are in a perfectly aligned situation here. And if we don't get the correct narrative, and if we aren't able to support, you know, the changes that are coming through by every any level of government by communicating how these changes impact the end user, the 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 noisy voices on the fringe, you know, who who cry foul because we're destroying the the environment because you know we're doing X, Y, and Z are just going to continue to dominate that discussion and clog up the works. Right? We need to be able to communicate how the work that we're doing impacts the end user and impacts average Ontarians because that's how we're going to get how that's how we're going to move forward. And quite honestly, um, you know, given my previous roles, that's really something I haven't seen. I haven't seen you know too much from the industry. I mean, and I'm going to be hard on on my 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 guys here. More often than not, they would come to me and they would say, "Well, this is going to cost me more money, or that's going to cost my company more money." And my my response to them was, "Guys, I, I quite frankly don't care how much it's going to cost you." I mean, a lot of you are showing up to these meetings, you know, wearing beautiful suits um, and driving nice cars, right? And you know, you've earned that. Like, I'm not saying that's a bad thing, but for someone who's in a position of decision making and has to balance, you know. The, the needs of, of the electorate who, you know, don't enjoy the same kind of life that we do or, or aren't able to kind of, you know, have that kind of that job stability that some of our members have or are, aren't able to kind of rely on, on a skill set like our members have when it comes to a trade, you know, that that argument kind of falls on deaf ears. So we just have to be doing a better job as an industry, kind of clarifying what our message means to the end user, to everyday Ontarians, so that we can support the government in a lot of those bolder decisions that they need to take to fix this problem of housing supply and to fix the housing crisis when it comes to, you know, the cost of a home. I, 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 I love that alignment point. That 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 is so true, isn't it? I mean, I mean, we're, we're, we're in a position where uh, that that really I don't think we've seen uh, in, in in a very long time, and I'm glad you said it so I didn't have to. That the remaining stumbling block is some, not all, some of the environmental uh, people, right. uh, uh, and the and 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 you know, uh, the 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 and part of that and part of that is, to be honest, uh, 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 the um, the uh, young progressive people uh, uh, have now two worries. They're very worried about climate change. We know that, uh, but uh, they're also pretty worried about being able to afford a house. That's right. Uh, so uh, you know, maybe there's an opportunity there for even that side of things to start to push in the same direction. I, I 100% agree, um, and and I don't like I said at the top of, of our session here. I don't think those two things have to operate in different silos. Like there's a coexistence there that we need to be able to articulate that we can have sustainable growth in areas you know, beyond what we're currently, uh, beyond the defined growth areas that are in the province right now. Uh, we can build homes that, you know, are environmentally conscious, but at the same time, you know, we have to understand that the more homes we build, the more stable housing prices will become. And if we can build even more homes on top of that, there might be, you know, uh, an affordability metrics here that we can achieve. Like, like 
just because we want to build outside of the urban boundary expansion doesn't mean that we're going to impact climate change. There are measures put into place here that, you know, we can build a sustainable community that is environmentally conscious and satisfies the needs of a home, the, the needs and wants of a home buyer to buy a home at an affordable price. But right now there's this weird tension where, you know, these two things can't coexist and our industry has to do a better job of articulating, you know, to the consumer, to the average Ontarian, how they can coexist. Quite frankly, our industry has to do a better job reaching out to partners that, that have been speaking against our activity. Yeah. To get them on board too, right? Yeah. Um, so, so again, a lot of opportunity, a lot of opportunity. Hmm. Um, and listen, I'm not saying that it's going to all change overnight. I don't want to leave you guys with the perception that I, I'm not environmentally conscious. I think climate change is a big, uh, a big issue that our, our, our industry has to kind of acknowledge, uh, not acknowledge, but take significant action on. And, you know, we've been working with the government on the building code to ensure that there's certain green standards being brought into the building code. And, you know, the way that we go about developing our, 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 our land is, is, is in alignment with a lot of the environmental standards put on by the government and even some of our smaller number members, like our contractors and our tradesmen. I mean, the way that they go about their work, they're trying to be a little bit more environmentally conscious when it comes to things like, you know, the waste they produce and whatnot. Like it is a, an industry-wide um, acknowledgement that the environment is a big issue. Um, and I think we can build off of that, that understanding and start articulating how building and environmental protection can coexist and you know without that narrative it just we're going to be paralyzed we're going to be paralyzed and i'll and i'll and i'll add to that that, that, that there is plenty of enthusiasm uh i think in the contracting community even 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 in the even in the renovation uh uh, uh community for green building net net zero building standards passive house all of that stuff there's there's plenty of enthusiasm because you know what it's more expensive you right. you're you're charging more for this. <laughs> right, <laughs> right. And, and, I, and I think you know on top of that too it, it's just the right thing to do at this time and i know the chba right, yeah. yeah the chba has a great partnership with the federal government on this file you know uh we have a great partnership with the provincial government on the building code file um you're right it does bring it does bring about an opportunity to bring more advanced technologies into the market um, but at the same time i think they're just motivated by the fact that this is the right thing to do and you know from an end user perspective the the, the better on energy efficiency is 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 another compelling argument too right like yeah. I, don't, I don't know about you guys but you know my hydro bill is quite expensive and if there was a little bit more energy efficiency in the way that my my unit was built i probably wouldn't have to you know fork over that kind of cash you so, end up with a better you end up with a better place anyways that lasts longer and and and, right. and, is, and is more comfortable and 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 you know i, I mean it's just the upfront sticker price that's right. Uh, and uh, and and uh, uh, you know a lot of a lot of sort of almost on a personal level for a lot of contractors, um, um, you know it, it can be frustrating to be driven to the bottom on 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 the price and the quality of what you're being asked to to provide all the time, and uh, and and there, there's opportunities here to uh, to to really shift that need. Well, it's it's not an opportunity. It's happening. It's going to happen. The the, the codes are what they are, and uh, and and you know the, the, these step tier energy. Uh, uh, codes are are in place and uh and and everyone is going to be uh to is going to be forced to move in that direction even if they don't want to but i i don't think it's a matter of forcing people i i, okay. I think i think a lot of i think a lot of a lot of contractors are are gonna you know they'll moan and groan and roll the rise to their customers uh but but they'll you know at the end of the day it's going to be it's going to be welcome to a lot of people anyways to be able to uh i agree that's my opinion yeah i, I don't i don't disagree i think you're right and you know a story popped into my mind as you were talking, um, and, and one of our members who I was talking to last week 
they had a pretty interesting idea. And, you know, it's tied to this concept that sprawl means more development on greenfield, means more traffic, means more pollution. Um, so there's a very small kind of solution that this builder is bringing into his, his subdivision. Um, and I think it, it reflects, you know, this, this environmentally conscious approach connected with, you know, market trends connected with this understanding that we need to be a bit more environmentally conscious in, in our building, but he's putting electric car generators in each one of his units, right? So, you know, understanding that maybe four, four or five years from now, you know, we're not going to be driving gas guzzlers. Like I drive a car that takes premium gas and it's killing me right now, but that's a different story. <laughs> um, but, you know, just this idea to provide, to provide, you know, um, homeowners or, or home buyers with this, this, this little kind of, you know, small thought that, oh, I have a electric plug-in in my home now. Maybe my next car is going to be an electric car. So when I drive back and forth from my work to my office, if I choose to drive, the footprint I'm going to have on the environment isn't going to be so big, right? And it takes away the, the argument that, you know, sprawl means more pollution. I mean, it doesn't take it away completely, but it starts chipping away at it. But yeah. I'm sure if we got into a deep dive into the work that, you know, your readers are doing and our members are doing, there's examples there where we can start building a narrative that, you know, this is the the the... This is the direction that our industry is taking, but you got to give us room to build because without being, without giving us room to build, we're going to have to just stick to, you know, what we know, because we're getting into a situation where we need to survive. And, you know, that's, that's not good for anybody. Yeah. You, you will, you will never transform uh, London, for instance, where I live overnight uh, into no. uh, downtown Toronto. Uh, with uh, high-rise condos uh, uh, all over the place. There's lots of condos, but I mean, you know, you, you, you're never going to transform the, the, the character of the municipality uh, 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 that radically that nobody needs a car uh, or that you're only taking up, you know, very small uh, uh, amounts, amounts of space. It's, it's just that it's just the reality of, uh, of how we live out here. Okay. Look, we've been on, we've been on that one for a long time, Luca, and, and that was a great conversation. Um, let's move to, uh, let's move to materials supply chain. Um, um, you know, everyone is see every one of your members, every one of my uh, readers is seeing the uh, is seeing the impact. Uh, uh, the the prices are are are, are really going. Uh, and then, but I think even 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 more concerning than prices that can be theoretically passed along uh, is is even straight availability is is sometimes an issue. Um, is uh, what do you see from your perspective as uh, as the challenge, and and is there anything that you're hoping the new government will be able to do to uh, to ease this off? Um, I'm going to answer your second question first, and then go into your first question if you don't mind. And, and I think people can't uh, underappreciate the value that something like a 413 is going to have, or the impact that something like the 413 is going to have on supply chain. I mean, opening up more channels of, of, of transportation to get goods to market is, is a step in the right solution. Um, and, you know, last night I was driving across the 401 at, I think it was 1230 in the evening, not even in the afternoon, in the evening. And I was backed up for 20 minutes on the 401, right? Because it's, it's the only main artery to take you across, you know, yeah. east to west across the GTA. So, so the more opportunities that the government has to build infrastructure to open up, you know, transportation corridors for goods and service to get to markets is always going to be the step in the right direction for supply chain. Um, I, listen, I'm not an economist. Uh, I, I, I don't pretend to know the solution. All I know is that this is an issue that our industry has been facing uh, right, well, right from the beginning of the pandemic when supply chain issues were just based off the fact that everybody wanted to add more um, dwelling or units to their home or, or you know, add a, add a project into their backyard. And now we're starting to talk about a problem that is kind of in a, in a different stratosphere of people being able to afford a home. But in, in that case, um, at the end of the day, 
the more that materials go up, the more a house is going to cost, right? That's just the fundamental, um, eco eco I can't say the word, economics, economics of the situation. Thank yeah. you. Uh, what concerns me is, is what challenges the industry going to have when, you know, you have pre-sold a unit in 2019, right? And that unit is being closed, you know, in 2022, right? What are those cost increases? How do we manage those on cost increases? You know, does that cost increase get transferred to another project, inflate the price of a home? You know, are you going to have to cancel the contract with your 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 um, contractee? That's not good for the industry either. Um, but I, I think the solution again, the government's taking the right steps, build more infrastructure, bring in more work, bring in more skilled labor. You know, try to get these costs stabilized. Um, but until people are kind of comfortable with operating in the in the post-COVID world and and you know are 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 taking a little bit more um, of a conscious approach of whether or not they go into work or not, I, I still think you're going to see a lot of these supply chains issue dominate uh, dominate the agenda. And again, I'm not an economist, I'm not a supply chain expert. The only thing I know about supply chain is you know the quicker you can get goods to market, the cheaper it's going to be. So we just got to keep on encouraging the government to build that infrastructure, right? Yeah. Especially at a time like this. Yeah, and, yeah, and, and you know what? It's a great point. Without and without getting without getting too macroeconomic, uh, uh, th that is a focus that I think that I think this government seems to understand. Is, right. is the idea that is the idea that if you if if you build a highway, uh, right, or and, and and you put in, let's say, broadband internet somewhere, or or you 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 build those infrastructure projects, you fix a bridge, uh, uh, you you service uh, uh, land, etc. Um, that that is that is sort of the base. It's it's the baseline. It's the right. base of something that people will build on from there. Okay. Uh, I, I'm here to tell you that companies absolutely look at at their access to highways and their access to to, to being able to move their their product around when they decide where to go and whether to go there. Right. Um, and and so that so the thought that this is, you know, not something that's needed or not something that's important. Well. I, I, to be honest, I think the focus had been off that in Ontario for a long time. There was a lot of not wanting to spend money on, you know, oh, we can't fix the gardener, you know, and 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 the 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 when 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 those 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 investments have an have an impact and they have an impact in a way that you want because it it then is just people and businesses and private enterprise building on top of what you've of what you've done rather than you coming in and saying i'm going to control prices you know okay. i'm going to i'm going to you know or or i'm going to give i'm going to give people money in order in order to uh, in order to be able to afford things right yeah. which just drives drives the inflation right that's the, you know i i don't know what you think about that but i mean to me to me that's 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 coming at it from the right side that's right that's right and there's also the the cost of getting your human capital to the workplace right and you know what's at the center of that cost where they're able to afford a home and yeah. i think you're starting to see hey, you right back to homes you know? well done luca thank there you well thank done. you and, and, and i think what you're starting to see is that as people are becoming you know more and more priced out of urban centers you know places where you know their head offices are and you know you're going to see a higher pressure on on wages which is just you know increasing that 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 inflation that inflation i can't speak today sorry i have my phone kind of off, yeah. uh, off it took on the side, but it's going to increase the pressures of inflation in an upward manner that's just not sustainable, right? So, you know, it's it's this really unique opportunity now where after COVID, there's just this weird kind of dynamic, or, or I should say weird opportunity where the government can look at all aspects of supply chain, you know, how much it costs to get people to work, how much it costs to get goods from product to market, 
you know, how much time it takes, you know, to build a home or, or, or to, to, to get through a permitting process, you know, how many fees are tied into those process from a government perspective and just really kind of, you know, really chip away at those costs. Um, I don't think you're going to stop inflation, but I think you can alleviate a lot of that pressure. That is absolutely true. Luca, this has been good. It's been a lot of fun. Uh, I think uh, I I I think it's uh, it's great to have a, an overview of, uh, of 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 what this government is bringing and, and what we're what we're expecting and hoping for going forward. And uh, I think more importantly, it's very interesting to hear your uh, your thoughts as uh, as the new CEO of uh, OHBA and uh, and what the OHBA's position is on a lot of these things. Uh, and um, you know. Let's all uh, let, let's all work together, I guess, going forward to try to keep these things going in the direction. Because, as you say, unprecedented opportunity really uh, uh, before us with the amount of with the amount of alignment and agreement, right? Yeah. And, and industry right now, it's 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 beyond unprecedented. It's almost a situation that's too good to be true uh, for everybody uh, who 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 factors into this industry, whether it's you know the builder, the contractor, the developer, or or the end user, which is a person who buys a home. And and the thing that I want to kind of you know, um, drive my tenure is, is what are we doing as an industry to ensure that the person who's buying that home is getting the best product for the best price? And, you know, what role does government have to play in that, that equation? What role do our members have to play in that equation? And, you know, how do we create a narrative that demonstrates to these people that we're working on their behalf? Because I think for far too long, um, even though that has been the motivator of everybody who works in our in our industry and everybody who, who's part of my associate our association rather, um, it's a story that's not being told, and I think that's the most important thing we need to do. Um, and it's going to you know really set us up for success in this area of unprecedented opportunity. So I'm really excited. Right. I'm really excited. And if there's anything that uh, you know we can continue to work on together, I'm always happy to be of assistance. So please uh, feel free to reach out with whatever you need. I, I yeah absolutely let let's uh, let let's do whatever we can to to, to keep advancing that uh, that narrative and those messages. Luca Bucci, CEO of OHBA, uh, thank you so much for joining us on the Hammer today. Thank you so much. You guys take care. Have a great day. Thanks for listening to the Hammer. You can find episodes online at CanadianContractor.com or subscribe on your favorite podcasting service. The Hammer is presented by Canadian Contractor Magazine.